Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 15 of The Delafield Affair by Florence Finch Kelly. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 15. Villainy Unmasked. Pendleton, bouncing in his saddle as they galloped southward, bent admiring glances upon the erect figure of his companion, whose seat was as steady as if horse and rider had been welded together. "'Say, Kurt,' he finally called out, "'how do you do it? I'd give my bad lung if I could ride like you.' Conrad gave him some instruction, and Pendleton turned all his attention toward learning how to bring his body into rhythmic accord with the movements of his horse. The cattleman, pounding along in silence, thought with satisfaction of the progress his search for Delafield was making, and planned how he should carry it on after the round-up, when he would have more leisure. He would make a list of the men in New Mexico rich and prominent enough to come under suspicion, investigate their records one by one, and so by elimination discover the person he wanted. Then would come the meeting. His thoughts full of the climax of his search, he rode on in a sort of exultation, unconsciously humming a song he and Lucy Bancroft had been practicing. Presently, through the silence, the sound entered his conscious hearing, and took his thoughts back to the pleasant hour he and she had spent over it. But a vague uneasiness stirred his feelings as the image of Lucy floated past the background of that grisly dominating purpose. The thought of her persisted. As it clung there, along the edge of his absorption, it brought a sharp and curious suggestion of the maimed bird he had carried in his bosom. He was suddenly conscious of discomfort, as if he had hurt some helpless thing, when his reverie was broken by a series of wild yells from his companion. Pendleton had been lagging behind, but he now came dashing forward, giving vent to his delight because he had so far mastered the art of riding that he no longer bounced all over the horse's back, nor fell forward and seized its mane at each change of gait. A spring welled alluringly from a dimple on the hillside. Pendleton dismounted, saying he was thirsty. "'Don't drink from that spring, Pendy,' Conrad admonished him. "'It's alkali, and you'll wish you hadn't.' "'It looks all right, and it's cool,' said the tenderfoot, dipping his hand in the water. "'My throat's as hot and dry as that road. What harm will it do?' "'Well, pretty soon you'll think you're chewing cotton, though this spring isn't strong enough of alkali to do you much harm.' "'I'll risk it,' Pendleton declared, scooping up some water in his hat-brim. "'It's wet when it goes down, anyway, and I reckon I might as well take in an alkali spring, too, while I've got the chance. Everything goes.' An hour later he galloped alongside of Conrad, working his jaws and licking his lips. "'Say, Kurt,' he mumbled, "'I know a fellow back home who'd give a thousand dollars for such a thirst as I've got.' 
It was midnight when they passed Rock Springs, where the superintendent had left his outfit. Two hours later, when Brown Betty put out her nose and neighed, an answering whinny came back from beyond the next hill. "'That's only five cottonwoods,' thought Curtis. "'It can't be they've got no farther than that.' They gained the top of the hill, and below them, in the light of the waning moon, they saw the white top of the chuck-wagon, the dark patch of sleeping cattle patrolled by a single horseman, and the figures of the men sprawled on the ground around the dying coals of their evening fire. "'Here we are, Pendy,' said Curtis. "'I thought they would have got farther than this, and that we'd have at least two hours more of travel. Now we'll have time for a little sleep before you begin busting those broncs.' They stretched themselves on the ground and almost instantly fell asleep, but it was not long before Conrad, rousing suddenly, sprang to his feet, realizing even before he was fairly awake, that the cattle were stampeding. From down the hill came a thundering, rushing sound, the noise of hundreds of hoofs pounding the ground. He called his foreman, seized his saddle, and rushed to the bunch of tethered cow-ponies. Peters, Texas Bill, Red Jack, and Jose Gonzalez were close behind. As they dashed after the flying herd, Curtis could see in the dim light the figure of the cowboy who had been patrolling the sleeping cattle. He was following the stampede at what his employer thought a leisurely pace. "'Who was riding herd?' he yelled to Peters, who replied, "'Andy Miller!' "'Is he trying to drive them farther away?' Conrad muttered angrily, pressing home his spur. The cattle tore wildly down the hill, but at its foot their leaders turned up the course of the dry, shallow valley, instead of pressing up the other side. The men saw the movement, and by cutting across the hillside gained rapidly upon the fleeing animals. As they passed Andy Miller, Curtis shouted to him that he might return to camp, as they should not need him. The draw soon began to grow deeper and narrower, and the dense mass of cattle was forced to lessen its pace. Conrad remembered that farther on the valley came to an abrupt end against a steep rise. If the brutes stayed in it a little longer, they would not be able to get out, and when they came to the end of this blind alley of the hills they would have to stop. So he and his companions galloped easily along beside the shadowy stream of moving backs with its spray of tossing horns that filled the draw, and presently found the leaders, their heads to the bluff, chewing their cuds as quietly as if they had never been frightened in all their lives. As they rode back to camp behind the staidly moving herd, Conrad asked Peters if he knew what caused the stampede. The foreman did not know. He had been sound asleep when it began. But he went on to tell an excited tale of mysterious accidents that had followed close upon one another ever since the morning of the superintendent's departure. Only the edge of the sandstorm through which he had ridden touched them, though it had kept them in camp all day. Nevertheless, there had been two stampedes and they had had much trouble getting the brutes together again. Every day since there had been at least one stampede of the herd. He and the others had been kept busy gathering in the flying cattle. This was why they had got no farther than five cottonwoods. It seemed as if the devil himself had taken possession of every cow-brute on the range. Never in all his years as a cow-puncher had he had such a time. "'Don't you know what starts them? That's the mischief of it. Nobody ever knows.' The darned critters just get up and hike. Some of the boys are getting scary about it, and they're likely to pull their freight if it keeps up. They're telling ghost stories now after supper, and Andy Miller has been reeling off the whoppinest yarns ever you heard. Between the ghost stories and the way the cow brutes act, the boys are getting plumb fidgety, and I'm mighty glad you've got back. How does Andy get on with the work? Does he sobby? Yes. He's first-rate, the best we've got except Jose. 
but Andy does have main bad luck with the cow-brutes. This makes four times they've stampeded under him. Promise of day was flushing the eastern sky, and faintly warming the gray semi-darkness when Pendleton's eyes flew open, to instant conviction of illness. From head to foot he ached with weariness, and he felt wretchedly sick. For a moment he kept quiet, feeling that it would be more comfortable to lie still and die than to try to move. But presently he thought, I'll never live to die of consumption if I don't get up quick and find my whiskey. He scrambled to his feet and looked around. Not nearly so many men were stretched on the ground as he had expected to see, and his friend was not in sight. He looked for his saddlebags, where he kept his flask. Conrad had taken them from the horse when they unsaddled, and Pendleton had not noticed what he did with them. He could not find the bags. Everybody left in camp was sound asleep, and Curtis had disappeared. Wrapped in his blanket he was wandering around forlornly squirming with pain, when he saw someone moving in the group of horses farther down the hill. He started in that direction, and saw the man stoop beside Conrad's mare, Brown Betty. "'Hello, pard. Where's Kurt?' Pendleton called loudly. The man straightened up quickly and put away a knife. He looked at the curious figure coming toward him and burst into a loud guffaw. "'Gee willikins, stranger! Where'd you drop from?' he shouted back. Pendleton explained, and asked the other to help him find his saddlebags. They were discovered in the chuck-wagon, and the invalid offered his flask with a cordial admonition to drink hearty, pard. The cowboy responded literally, and made several other visits to the saddlebags before breakfast. By that time he was good-naturedly obstreperous, and had the camp in an uproar with his horseplay and noisy pranks. Conrad asked Peters where Andy got his whiskey. The foreman did not know and said that this was the first time he had shown any signs of drink. The superintendent went to Pendleton. "'Has Andy Miller been taking a pull at your flask?' "'The cowpunch that's feeling so happy? Sure, Kurt. He helped me find my saddlebags, and I thought I'd be sociable with him. I told him to drink hearty. And by thunder, Kurt, you ought to have seen him. He sure had a worse thirst on him than I had yesterday. I'll have to ask you not to do it again with any of them, and you better let me put your flask in a locked box I have in the chuck-wagon.' if you don't carry it in your pocket, or you may not have any left by night. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.